0: invited all the lovely like all the lovely feelings like happiness and joy and you're like oh brilliant they're coming but they don't turn up and instead you get you know anger and despondency and despair and they're like banging on the door like we want to come in and and you know if we if we kind of keep them out and we shut them out things just get worse Mm. the best thing to do is to let them in see them talk to them sit with them with support if you need that support and to and to try and listen to what they're trying to tell you
1: welcome to unquestionable with your hosts charles Paley phillips and sophie green where each week we dive into real and raw conversations with experts, creators, thought leaders and CEOs.
2: With our guests, we'll be exploring some of the unquestionable truths behind psychology, mental health and relationships to gain a deeper understanding of human nature.
1: So let's get into today's episode. Varda, thank you for coming to see us. It's lovely to see you, thank you.
0: It's a real pleasure to see you yeah. both in the flesh, in 3D. It's lovely, <laughs> 3D. thank you. We exist.
1: Now, I love this book. Oh, it's fantastic. Thank you, Giles. Um, there's a piece in it that... Um, jo-
2: wait, sorry, Giles, just... Because this is a podcast and people can't see, it is <laughs> rather. It's not like the Bible, or something.
1: yeah. Your book.
2: I love this book that I've brought. Yeah,
1: know your own power. The tiger
2: who came to tea. <laughs> right. I slipped Sophie a tenner for that. Yeah, yeah I know.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Know what, your own power.
1: Know your own power. What? Well, that's how I wanted to start. Actually, when did you discover your own power? Because there's a bit in the book where you talk about alarms going off. Mm. Was it? Did you have an alarm? I'm not actual went alarms. Not actual alarms, but like a physical alarm. I I guess a mental alarm. When did you, did you have a moment when your alarm went off?
0: That's a really good question. I think I did in the sense that I remember one moment, just being bizarrely being on the tube and on the underground, and just I think just I don't know. I was just I was just standing there, not really thinking about anything in particular, and it suddenly just hit me that 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 piece of advice which I wish everyone had been told at school or when they were little is that actually you know, your thoughts are not necessarily who you are and actually kind of awareness of your thoughts and sort of how your thoughts dictate your life and your story. And I remember just having this moment where I just thought, oh my God, that's incredible because that means that actually I can now, you know, because I, I was always a bit of a worrier. I was a bit of a sensitive child. Oh, I was told I was a sensitive child um, oh, and I felt I'm things like deeply. Too. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I did, you know, I did, when I was younger and growing up, I did struggle with sort of worry and feeling things very deeply. Um, and, and I I always sort of, I'm one of those people who's like, right, I want to understand something. I want to try and understand it so I can basically just just work it out and just work out a solution. I'm quite a solution-based person. And I remember just realising that for that moment, thinking, oh, my goodness me, why doesn't everybody know this? And why aren't we teaching this? And why aren't we telling people this? Because, yes, of course, thoughts come and go, and they dictate our emotions and our actions. But actually, if we were to understand that we can be aware of those thoughts, see them and sort of question them or not be with them, then we have so much power mm. over our own lives and over each moment and how we interpret things, how we relate to other people. Basically, the basis of all life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That happened on the central line, I think. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> were you,
2: at the time, were you <clears throat> having particularly negative thoughts or was it just like an epiphany that came out of
0: nowhere? I wasn't having particularly negative thoughts. I think I was just always someone who struggled with sort of worry and being like what if what if and I'd always need a lot of reassurance when I was growing up I'd always need someone to tell me like it'll be all right it'll be okay even though I knew it would be and so I think I was just I, it wasn't a particularly bad moment but I think I'd just been really interested in understanding myself more understanding how things works and I am a bit I mean when people say to me what's your book about I say well it's kind of a, a little bit about how to get through life and how to do life and I think we all wish sometimes we had rules or someone would just tell us a little bit about how to do life, yeah. you know, how to manage stuff. Yeah. So um, I think for me, I was, I'm, I've got a very curious mind. I'm always kind of wanting to read and understand mainly to kind of, I, th- I suppose, yeah, manage things and make sure that, you know, the time I've got on this earth. That I do my best, if that makes any sense. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so for for the listeners that don't know, you,
2: you're are you still a general practitioner?
0: Yes, I'm um, still so a medical doctor. Yeah, I'm working in A&E at the moment, but oh, yeah, wow. general practitioner. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So you're, you know, you're in the medical field, which is very sort of science and and medicine based. And I guess what what I took away from your book is it is more, I don't want to say spiritual, but it is kind of there's some kind of element of. Um, you know, looking within and and it doesn't seem as stereotypically medical um, coming from a medical (laughs) professional like
0: Yeah, that's so true. And actually I have, I mean, I was approached by a lot of different publishers about different books, but whenever I spoke to them, they would always be very much like, you're a medical doctor, do a medical book, do a medical thing, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But I thought to myself, you know, my parents wrote books and edited books. They were psychologists. And I always thought, I know how much work it is and I always thought if I'm going to do a book, I really want to make sure that it's mine Mm. Mm. and that it's something a bit different and it's something a bit unusual and it's something that I really am passionate about. So, yeah, you're right. It's not, you know, I have got the, you know, the title doctor on the the front cover um, but I, you know, it's not typically medical. It's very much really about life skills and about kind of, I think we're not very good at connecting what happens to us in life with our health and how we feel. Mm. So I think, we're better at talking about mental health, we're better at talking about emotional health, but we still haven't really got the connection between life... And what happens day to day and basically how that impacts our physical, mental and emotional health. And our health is just so much more than even, I think, physical and mental. I think it's it's just about it's everything. It's our relationships, it's our finances, it's our, you know, our day-to-day strategies about what we do. It's our purpose, our job, you know, mm-hmm. everything you can think of contributes to how we feel and, and how well we are. Um, and so I was really keen on just opening up the conversation around actually... What makes us happy? Because when we're happy, or you know, even when we're peaceful, um, we can then, you know, if if a challenge comes up, or a physical health challenge comes up, or a mental health challenge comes up, we can deal with that better. So it's all about laying the foundations and going back to basics. I think mm. um, we've become so complicated, um, which is which is great in one way because we need the complication sometimes, but sometimes the complication kind of draws us away from actually what is really helpful.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, what you said about creating a foundation, because I think there is I think there's so much out there at the moment in the space of self-development. And, you know, there's there's tools and things that people say to do, and it's almost like plastering over the cracks. But then I can only speak for myself when, when I say that, you know, if I'm in a really peaceful place where everything's going great and I'm doing all these you know, meditation and stuff like that, yoga, and I feel great. And then the minute life really takes takes off and I'm busy and I'm coming up to London and doing this, having meetings and stuff. All of that just falls by the wayside. I think that's really common Mm. to, to sort of struggle to put those things into practice in everyday life.
0: Definitely. And I think the other thing that I'm really keen on kind of, I suppose, well, trying to, trying to live. I mean, Charles <laughs> will tell you, he knows me a bit better. I know you, Sophie, <laughs> but not as well. Yeah. But Charles will tell you I didn't always follow my own advice, but I do try. I do try to. Um, but I think one of the really key things to our well-being is not just about thinking that we're able to feel better in each moment or we're able to continue those strategies. I think it's actually really about being able to trust ourselves or know that whatever happens, we can, we've we got something in us that we can try to help us feel better with. And that I suppose that's where I thought for a long time about the title of the book. That's where the title of the book came from, is to really, once you know your, your own power, you can trust some elements of yourself to have the resources, or at least to try, or at least, or at least to reach out for support. Mm. Once you have that trust in yourself, then life becomes less scary. And then when we approach life with less fear we're open to more things, we have better relationships, we don't kind of grab onto stuff and live out this idea of scarcity. Um, So I think just understanding that process of trusting yourself, I think actually goes beyond even more at the foundation of any of those strategies.
1: Mm. So if you were someone who's starting to sort of question you know how they're living their lives and stuff what i mean what are the sort of warning signs we can be looking for in ourselves and it's something you talk about in the book these sort of warning signs that we can start to have a bit more self-reflection what are the kind of warning signs that you, we should be sort of looking out for
0: mm, it sounds a bit scary doesn't it Does well the really? warning signs yeah, <laughs> sure Songs, but,
2: <laughs> yeah. but, but for ourselves and others i guess as well yeah, like course, yeah, yeah. other people as well yeah
0: and i think that's what's really powerful actually sophie is that you can you know we we learn stuff for ourselves but we also learn it for other people and we learn from other people and that's what i find really Lovely about life as well. So, so warning signs. I guess that was that's the sort of the, the first chapter, if you like, of the book. And that's because you know I look back in my own life when I was writing this book and thinking, you know, when things got really bad, did I know that they were they weren't right? And I was like, yeah, I did really. Mm. Um, but you know, for many years, sometimes for months, sometimes decades, we just kind of push things down. Mm. We don't want to look at them because we're frightened of change. We're frightened of doing anything different. Um, and even if we're unhappy, we choose to sit in unhappiness over being uncertain or not knowing what's going to happen, which is really interesting. Um, And that happens for people at the right time. There's no right or wrong to that. But some warning signs might be, for example, recurrent themes that are happening in life. So, you know, recurrent arguments in your relationship, kind of just that feeling in your stomach that something's not quite right. Um, You know, at work, for example, realising you're not really fulfilling what you want to do, being dissatisfied, being angry, irritable, um, or just generally feeling very lost. I think sometimes... um, we we're told so often to live our lives in a certain way, in a very templated way, and um, we we tend to follow that, and we tend to believe that that's what's going to bring us happiness. And then one day we realise we wake up. Well, hang on a minute, I've got this, that, and the other, but I'm still not happy. Mm. So what was that story about? Mm. um So even just realising that, even though on the outside your life looks great. But feeling that like kind of emptiness is, I think, a bit of a warning sign as well. Um, and and again, you know, sometimes life has to like ring the bell really loudly, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. an alarm clock to be like, "Hello, oh, you know, are you are you mm. listening? Mm. I'm trying to tell you something." Um, and again, there's no, like I said before, there's no right or wrong answer to that or when it happens. Um, but I think it's interesting just to be a little bit more aware, so that the next time you get a little warning sign, you can just pick on up, up on it a little bit faster. And potentially change something a little bit sooner.
2: Yeah. I think hindsight is twenty twenty. I I've definitely been in a position where for me my sort of warning sign is anxiety. So the minute I start mm-hmm. feeling a little bit anxious, that usually progresses into like full blown anxiety. And then I'll have a big wake up call where something will happen and then I'll be forced to make changes but mm. then I look back in hindsight and I'm like oh actually I was feeling anxious for months and months and I didn't pick up on that so it's I guess it's about having a good understanding of yourself and sitting with yourself and before it's breaking point I guess Yeah yeah and like yeah. just understanding how you work and
0: and how your body works as well I guess Yes exactly I mean it's a bit like if you think you know you think about you know, training for the marathon or running or whatever it might be. You know, you get a bit of a twinge in your ankle. You are like, oh, that's fine, it'll be all right. You know, yeah, yeah. I'll put whack a bit of gel on it, put a, put a you know an ankle sport on it, mm. and then you carry on going, you carry on going until <clears throat> you are out for a run. And then you are like, oh, hang on a minute, this is really not right, and now I can't even run that race I was going to race, I was going to run in the first place. So, yeah. um, I think, yeah, I mean, big life events and crises. Some of those things we can't avoid. Some of those things we can't ever predict. But the ones that we do get some sense of that are imminent on their way. Um, I think it just takes so much energy to sort of get out of that crisis. I just wondered in, in my book, really, is there a way for us to actually look at that a bit earlier and to expend less energy, I suppose, on that as well?
1: Um, I was slightly changing the tone a little bit. I was going to talk about toxic positivity because it seems to be quite a hot topic still. And obviously in the self-help space, um, which we've talked about, like the idea around self-help and, mm-hmm. you know... Th- often people will jump from one self help book to another um is that something that you you're aware of and also i mean that feels like a kind of trendy sort of phrase like the, the toxic positivity but i guess it's finding that sweet spot isn't it between promoting some sort of positivity and and outlook on life but then not doing the over
0: Mm, yeah I mean I think like you say uh, positivity anything in extreme is not Mm. healthy and that includes positivity and negativity (laughs) so we can you know one of the things that I believe is is that we can reframe things you know whatever's happening outside or around us we can reframe those things in any which way we like or we choose or we learn the strategies to do so Um, but you know we going to the other extreme where we're literally like, oh, everything's fine and it's all wonderful is just called denial, mm. isn't it? <laughs>
1: just, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, or self sabotage or just pushing things away. Um so that's not helpful either, And that's actually more of a, a technique, I think, to not address problems and and comes out of fear. Mm. I think I think what I'm a, an advocate of more so is action. And by that, i don't I mean doing something. I don't mean necessarily overtly doing something where people can see, oh, I've made a big life change. Um, but I just mean some kind of action, whether or not that's reflecting, learning, you know, um, doing small little actions, whatever it might be. I think action takes us towards something. It's, it, there's an energy behind action of any kind. And interestingly, sometimes, you know, inaction can be just as destructive as the wrong action. Mm. Right. Um, so I think sometimes when we're talking about self-esteem and confidence and changing your life, you know, we sometimes think, oh, I've got to do something really massive and really big. Actually it's the opposite. Or we wait we wait for that to come and I think the opposite is true. That if we can just start small things, they're they're actually really helpful. I'm not an advocate of of sort of self help. That term to Mm. me has been associated now with, like you said, Giles, kind of people telling you what to do telling you how to live your life um being very sort of top down um authoritarian or making you feel bad or making you feel like you have to fix yourself or there's something wrong with you and I think all of those things are actually just really unhealthy yeah and if anyone was to say those sort of things to me I'd just be like feeling worse about myself so um I've always tried to anyway get a balance between um you know putting ideas out there for people to take up if they want to, if they resonate with them, um, but also to be really real about it. You know, the the worst thing you can do to anybody if they're worrying is say, oh, don't worry, it's fine. Mm. It's like, what? Mm. <laughs> you don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. to be real, and, and I think to do that, it's really helpful to go back into your own life and how you feel and what do other people need to hear. You know, that person, if I'm doing the, the radio or something like that, or, or TV, I often sit there and I think, imagine someone sitting in their bedroom somewhere in the country Mm. and I think what do they need to hear right now what would I want to hear that would make me feel either better or make me feel like some there's a possibility of something getting better in the future and that's how I try to frame the advice that I give
2: Mm. yeah I mean we're all human at the end of the day and humans are meant to feel the whole range of you know human emotions you know there's a whole spectrum of emotions there's nobody's really doing anybody any favours by just sticking to positivity and kind of like keeping on going through life. Like, oh, everything's great, everything's fine. Because I think that's when a lot of people do get to that point when they just snap and they can't they can't anymore. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, like for some people, having a good cry is one of those tools that they need to use to be able to sort of like express themselves and then
0: move on from something. Definitely. And there's, there's actually a chapter in the book called... Um, you're giving up because I think there's a message that when something, you know, happens in our lives, oh, just carry on, mm. be fine, you know, when relationships break down or things like they like, Oh, just move on, just, you know, get rid of the photos of that person and, you know, rip them up and just move on, get on with it. Mm. And actually I wanted to in that chapter I wanted to say to people, Do you know what? It's okay to give up for a bit. It's not on yourself. Yeah. But just give up on, you know, being so hard on yourself and people telling you to just get up and get on with it and to mm. like there's a time for that but but choosing when that time is right for you so i really wanted to say to people actually you know yes there's loads of stuff about motivation and keep on going and change this mm. like but you know what we don't hear enough of the other side which is rest relax like you've been through a lot take your time you know just give up on on having to you know present this facade to the world that actually isn't how you're feeling because it's just going to make you feel worse
1: yeah, well, I was going to say on the back of that, there's things like setting boundaries, and that's something mm-hmm. again you, you touched on in the book and the power of no, I suppose mm. in that. And and actually, we're not very good at that.
0: Generally. No, I'm not very. I'm good not. At I'm that. terrible. I'm not at at it. very good at that at all. I'm a people pleaser. So <laughs> yeah. I've got better. I've got better at, at sort of saying no. Um, but I wasn't. I wasn't very good at all when I was growing up and I was younger. And I still am. I still wobble sometimes in terms of saying no. But I think I think yeah, boundaries are are so important for many reasons obviously for relationships and having healthy relationships and and kind of having those dynamics that actually kind of nurture you and don't end up becoming dysfunctional because you can start off with quite a healthy relationship mm. but if people are just saying yes to everything slowly if you think about like a Venn diagram two circles overlapping each other you know they're going to get swallowed up one mm. person's going to get swallowed up by that so 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 in relationships it's really important but i think also Boundaries help you actually build your self-esteem and recognize it's almost like a reflection of your own self-worth. You're you're saying to the world and to other people, these are these are the things I'm going to accept and these things I'm not going to accept. Mm. And by doing that, you're not only increasing your self-esteem and confidence when they actually respond positively to that. But you're also actually saying to yourself, you're getting clearer about who you are and what you're about and actually your values. Mm -hmm. And I think values, I mean, value sounds like a really old fashioned word, values. (laughs) It's all like kind of, you know, um, like people are telling you, you must have very good values. I don't mean it in that sense. I mean, who you are, what's important to you, what matters to you. Um, And I think once you know your values, you can then start aligning, hopefully your your work, how you live, your relationships, all all the things that you do in life with those values. Mm. And then life becomes a lot easier. Because you don't get in these conflicts in your mind where you're like, oh, should I have done that? Shouldn't I have done that? I'm not quite sure. So I think getting clearer, again, it's boundaries are another way of getting clearer about who you are.
1: Mm. And having a bit more autonomy over your decisions.
0: Yes, 100%. And again, autonomy is one of the keys to happiness, isn't it? So when we have, you know, a freedom of choice, when we're able to do what we want to do, we have a sense of, you know, um, our ability to determine our own future, then actually we're happier. And then the people around us are happier as well. Mm.
2: Yeah, I wonder when you talk about values, I know you say it sounds like an old-fashioned thing, but I, like, I think values are so important to us. And actually, I'd be interested to know how many people actually know what their values are. Like If you say to someone, what, what are your values? If they're able to even answer that question, because I don't know if we really, well, I don't know if enough of us take the time to really sit with that and think, what are they? And mm. maybe that might be a good way of kind of working out where you need to start setting boundaries in your life if you if something's not quite right and you know that you're you know you need to start saying no but you don't not sure what to say no to you Mm. just know you haven't got much time or whatever maybe sitting with your values and questioning what's important to
0: me and, and what needs to go kind of thing might be a sort of good yeah I think well. that's a really handy thing to like a little exercise to do and, and sometimes you'll even you might even just pick that up in different scenarios You know, scenarios come up in life you know in yeah. friendships or yeah, at work yeah. and you're like mm, I'm not quite sure about this and then some of those scenarios if you like if someone was to write down the most kind of cringeworthy or the most awful scenarios you'd have to deal with like how would you choose what would you choose and actually what does that tell you about yourself mm. um, and, and then what does that how does that inform you in terms of where you want to put your energy in life and what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think
2: boundaries and guilt often go hand in hand as well. I mean, I'm definitely guilty of it. I think you're you're sort of you can feel guilty about it as well, Giles. If you kind of yeah. have to mm. have to put a line and draw a line in the sand and say no to something or mm. not let somebody cross that boundary you start to question yourself like oh god am i a bad person like and yeah. people gonna hate me like it's different it's an uncomfortable thing isn't it I yeah
0: like. it is and i think that's where we that's probably that i'm like that as well like probably a little bit of that people please uh, mm. why am i why am i doing this for someone why am i saying yes is it for me or is it because you know i, I just don't want them to hate me <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> i don't want them to like yeah. abandon
0: me or i don't want them to yeah you know think badly of me um and, and i think guilt is really interesting because we get guilt mixed up I think well I, I certainly do or I have done where you know guilt is very much about you know and an emotion when you feel like you've done something wrong um isn't it's very different that's very different to actually just stating what you want mm. or what's important to you or what you're able to do and I think those two things are really different but again you'll you'll come across people in life and I'm sure everyone listening can relate to this <laughs> some way or the other where the people around you will not want will want to make you feel guilty mm. so you know what are their agendas what are their intentions why are they doing that what is what is in play in that that dynamic of that relationship and again it may not be anything that they're in, intending to do harmfully but it's just because a bit like we have rules in a game if you like there are rules in a relationship that get established and dynamics yeah. get established and when you try to break free of those rules or change the rules and change yourself, the other party's like, hang on a minute, mm. but this is how we've always played the game. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't understand why you're changing these rules. The cheating. It yeah. worked perfectly well before. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll get, you know, you might get a, a variety of reactions, anger, resentment, manipulation, you know, withdrawal or abandonment. So, so it's in, just interesting to see. You know, it's always a little bit of a game to see how how that person's reacting and why, mm. and to stick firm to how you know the new path you want to go down. And maybe that person will fall away; they won't be in your life anymore. Maybe they have to be in your life, and you just have to work out a different way of being with them. Mm. Um, but it's—I think—it's uh, human relationships are very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, like the this, uh, of the year. No, no, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
1: that's going on the, uh,
2: <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we use that. Um, I was going to say it's interesting because when we're talking about setting boundaries we're obviously coming from a place of self work and 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 establishing boundaries for ourselves and I guess setting boundaries with somebody they can often then take it as a personal thing and it's all about them so mm. it's kind of like oh it's because they don't like me or I'm not good enough or you know all of their sort of triggers and emotions get brought up but mm. really it's about the person who's setting the boundary and it's about them doing the work on themselves and and trying to improve their life in some way it's not it's important to remember it's not a personal thing
1: no but it's tricky because obviously sometimes you're setting a boundary and that other person doesn't know you're setting the boundary yeah necessarily yeah. unless yeah. you have a unless you have a, yeah. a, a, a good enough relationship where you can talk about
0: like <laughs> i'm setting a boundary with you yeah, now. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
1: like the reason why i haven't texted
2: yeah you know, like. well it's yeah. kind of like the difference between saying having a verbal a verbal boundary where you're saying actually this does not sit right with me I'm saying no to this mm. and then sort of more of an energetic boundary where you actually just sort of withdraw for your own mental health or yeah. whatever mm. it might be so there's yeah. different ways of going about that you don't necessarily have to have a conversation where you say I'm not going to talk to you for a while
0: <laughs> because yeah, you're that would, yeah. that <laughs> doing my head <laughs> yeah that would be
1: tricky that would be tricky
0: well, I was just thinking about you know like a written contract you get for <laughs> yeah. a job or like having that for a relationship it would be really interesting a subclause yeah A part A Part three. Yeah. One <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Like yeah. minute you haven't read, of course. Probably. It does you, say that we can still will, text every other day. Well,
0: not stay in the bathroom for longer than seven yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah. But but you're right. There is like there is there are sort of energetics, aren't there, that people feel and pick, people pick up on well sometimes not actually sometimes yeah. well people yeah. don't really have a, a sense of that and you have to be really overt <laughs> and obvious um but you know i i used to think and i i think i was sort of told this is that you know if you're friends with someone you have to be friends with them forever mm. otherwise you're a bad person mm. and you know i've slowly realized that's just not true and you know it's interesting because we just expect someone we expect all of us to stay the same but you know we're constantly changing all the time you know when I came here on the way to to the studio, you know, I'll have had experiences this morning, whether or not I've seen things or heard things or, you know, that affects us. We're we're constantly changing. So it's interesting Mm. to sort of just have this old remit of like, you're this person, I'm this person, this is how we get on and how we interact. And it should never change at all. And if it does, there's going to be trouble. (laughs) Or you're a bad person for letting that person go out of your life. So I think we have to kind of be a bit more realistic about, the changing natures of who we are. Yeah. And, and other people as well.
2: Yeah. We've spoken about this at length, haven't we? Just like friendships and <laughs> It
1: sounds like we can have another <laughs> conversation after this. Just, yeah. Where, Shall uh,
2: I be the mediator? Yeah. How, would, <laughs> how would you recommend
1: By the way, telling Charles.
2: your co host? Um <laughs> <laughs> you too much to- no. Yeah. no, I mean we but we have spoken a lot about boundaries and and friendship. <laughs>
1: Again, it's not making no, it any better. <laughs> I
0: know <laughs> <laughs> we've,
1: we've had many arguments. We've talked about it. boundaries, Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's our actually, that, that's kind of actually a sign of a good friendship, though, isn't it? A healthy yeah. friendship where you can actually talk about those things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know,
2: we we about
1: haven't been talking about boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> about other people, not us. Yeah.
2: I've had to put in some boundaries. Yeah. No, we, I mean, we, but we have had similar conversations mm. with regards to our friendship where we've spoken about, I don't know, like miscommunications, but mm, we've also yeah. spoken about it in, in general yeah. in the context of other, you know, my friends or Charles's friends or both of our yeah, mutual yeah, yeah. friends. And, mm. and, You know, sometimes you, it sounds really bad because I was thinking about this recently when you sort of outgrow someone, Mm. quote unquote, but that kind of implies, the word outgrow kind of implies that you're growing bigger than them or you're better than them. And then you start to think, oh God, I don't want people to think that I think that I'm better than them, but it's more, you're just in different parts, you know, different Mm. stages of your life or your, your values don't align anymore. Mm. And, and yeah, it can be really uncomfortable both you know, for the other person and for yourself to to kind of start setting those boundaries. And, you know, or if you feel like you're being taken advantage of in a friendship or a relationship or a mm. work situation to then suddenly withdraw. Because if you've been giving too much of yourself, it's then so shocking for the other party for you to then suddenly
0: withdraw all of that. Yes, yeah, this is true, is, is it? It's really it's really hard and people will pick up on that and that they won't like it. Necessarily. <laughs> so so yeah. it's like it's about in those moments looking
1: like, through your window in a rainy night. <laughs> Why are we not friends anymore? Yeah
0: sending those, sending those kind of gifts you find yeah. On, on What's yeah. 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 Um but I think I think it's um and again I kind of talk about this in the book it's that it it's really important in those moments when you're getting someone coming up against that. Um, to sort of have the people around you who are supportive of what you're trying to do, what you're trying to change, and just reminding yourself of your why. Why are you doing this? Why was this so important? Mm. Mm. And I always, I kind of go on about the why a lot. Giles probably knows going gone about the why a lot. Why is my favourite word, but yeah. why is everything. That will really like, that will take you through really difficult times, It will help you carry on and persevere and be determined. And I think, you know, for all of us, in no matter what we're doing, if you can take yourself back to, well, why did I start this in the first place? Why was this important to me? Mm. Then actually, I think it really helps us to stay kind of firm and on that path, even when we get resistance from different Mm. people in our lives. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, it's so,
2: so true. Um, Yeah, and again, I wonder how many people know their why. You know, how many people have actually spent time thinking about that or mm. if we just kind of bumble through life and never really think about actually why am I doing this why mm. why do I want certain friendships or why do I want this out of my career or whatever it is it's yeah so, oh, well, it's, don't, it's don't the think. start
0: of any change really, isn't it it's, it's it's like it's your why and then what you know, why, do you, why do you want to do this what do you want to change and then how mm. and those three stages I think really help you to see clearly Mm. what is going on and actually to make it happen because so many so so often we get a feeling something's not right we know we want to change something um but it's about the kind of then following through with the what Mm. specifically and then how and actually the how's really easy because i reckon if you've got the why and the what you're okay with the how yeah well (laughs) i think this is where a lot of people go wrong is not it because we tend to do
2: what do i want how do i get it and we never even think about why. No, that's true. That's mm-hmm. true. So we get so caught up on how is this going to happen, how is this, and when? When is it going to? I need it now. Need yeah, it
1: now. we forgot it about when.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. no! Sorry, when? Sorry, <laughs> sorry. God. And that's why the how kind of doesn't work, or we or we give up mm. on it, or mm. it breaks down because we haven't really got clear on on, yeah. the, on the when. I'm going to have to write an addendum in my book. Also, we haven't <laughs> that, even that was a chapter I didn't write. And also,
1: when? we didn't even talk about if.
0: Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> oh that's such a Giles thing oh, to say there's no if Mr Pessimist <laughs> there's no if it's going to happen Giles there's no, there's no if when I'll accept
2: do you know no. what Rada? I'm glad that you are in Giles' life as well because <laughs> more, the more people like that in his life that might we might eradicate the if because okay. <laughs> I'm the same like, with all the podcast stuff whenever, you know, whenever yeah. you're like well yeah like,
0: I'm like it's going to happen oh no right. you know, it's going to yeah, happen yeah. <laughs> I mean it's useful to think about if it's useful I think if is, if, 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 I don't know what I'm talking about on this yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. now. What am I saying? <laughs> Sounds like a carrot. I've said it so often, yeah. so much the words become a bit, yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, But I mean, I mean, if is, if is an important word too, Giles. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to think of I'm why. I hold on to I, it. That's the clip. That's the clip we're going to use oh, on I would, Instagram. I would say, yeah. I would say,
1: if is an important word. Well, I would
0: word. say, what, what if. <laughs> What if? Yeah, and and actually, people mm. say when I first started off doing like TV and radio, people would say to me, "I I I would just email loads and loads of people. They go, but rather they're really important people. Like, oh my god, you can't do that." And I'd be like, "Yeah, but what if? Yeah, what if they replied? Like, what you know? I think approaching some elements of life is a little bit of like a wow. What if? Like, how mm. far could mm. this go? Like, what what could happen? As an excitement? Yeah, you know, so we 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 think so much about outcome that we lose that kind of energy of. I wonder what. I yeah. wonder you know, when we're little we really have that what if, what if? And as adults we're like we go the like you said. so If we go the other way round, we go the reverse way. Yeah. So I think the if is a great word. No, it is. Know?
1: It is. I know. Well, that's why I said it. Um, <laughs> but I am a great dreamer. I'm a. Yeah. I've always been a daydreamer, and 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 I always think that like, it is good to dream big. You know, if you're going to dream, you might as well dream big. Yeah, so like, got nothing to lose. Yeah. You say so. What if is is definitely there for me. Like I know you think I'm mm. like uh, just like, oh, it's not going <laughs> to happen.
0: No, but 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 you, need, but you do need a bit of realism, don't you? You do need. Yeah. You know, you do need. Like you said, everything balanced, You need some mm. what if and dreams, but you also need some pragmatism. You need to know when the right time is you know I always go, go on about there are times in life for expansion and there are times in life for consolidation and we need to know what's helpful is we need to know when those periods are because I'm a really impatient person I'm like oh, it should be happening now why isn't it happening now that means yeah. it will never happen Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually it's you know it's helpful to align kind of the energy we put into something with recognizing if that is a period of time when it when it could happen yeah yeah, And sometimes we have to say, do you know what, I really want to do that, but now's not the right time. But that doesn't mean I'm giving up on it. It just means I'm mm-hmm. parking it here and I'm going to come back to it. And I think that's also helpful to know because always you just bang your head against a wall mm-hmm. and, and end up getting really cross and upset. <laughs>
2: yeah, I feel like sometimes in terms of timing, this is where having a, a good connection to your gut and your instinct really helps at least i've found for me it has like you know when sometimes you get an idea to do something and you're mm. like really excited about it you're like yes this is going to be amazing and mm. but your gut is kind of like not yet it like, doesn't feel quite ready yet yes and, and then you go through the process and then it all ends up happening the way it's meant to happen and yeah in in you know divine timing or whatever um but but yeah i guess like sort of sitting and being quiet with that idea can really come in handy when you're feeling in, uh, impatient and, mm. you know, jittery, like, Oh, I want it had to happen now, I want it had to happen now. Like yeah. so, taking a step back I guess would would maybe
0: help that. I think it would definitely help that. And I think also you know, life just kind of tend to whisper things at you, and and sometimes things you don't want you don't want life to whisper at you. But sometimes it does. You are like oh, okay, um, but it does. You do tend to get you know an idea comes, and then you might meet someone here, you might meet someone there, and you are like, oh, this feels like something's happening, but I am not quite sure it's quite there yet. And often it doesn't it doesn't happen how we think it's going to happen, but something will happen like it, or mm. you know, aligned to it, or similar to it. And I suppose yeah, like the you know, getting angry and frustrated and um impatient. I'm talking about myself here. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> it's not going to help. It's just going to cause a lot of resistance. Mm-hmm. And actually all you're doing is just wasting your energy when maybe that time in your life, you know, you've got, you know, family commitments or you've got something you need to sort out first or maybe you need to build your foundations before you can launch onto something bigger that's going to be more meaningful. So I think... You know, just like um, any good recipe, you've got to have the right things at the right time and put the right bits in. You can tell I'm a a great baker, can't you? Mm. Put in the right bits at the right this, that and the other of the recipe. Otherwise, you you have the same ingredients, but it doesn't work. Mm. It doesn't taste nice. It doesn't sustain. And I think changing your life, you know, are more sustainable and they work better and they're more meaningful when actually you can listen to all those things come together at the right time. Mm.
1: Well, I was going to talk to you about that, like emotional toolkits, because that's another thing you talk about in the book. What kind of things should we be putting in our emotional toolkits? I mean, obviously, mm. we're not going to put the word if in there. <laughs> but what other things can we be putting
0: in there? So I'm, I, I kind of, I'm one of those people who really likes the how. Yeah. I, I get really fed up with people going on about things. And, and, and it's really interesting. And it's great. But I'm like, well, all right. But what, what do I do now then? Come mm. on, just tell me. It's, yeah. like, it's like, love yourself. It's like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, I know. I yeah. want to do it. I've, yeah. <laughs> I've been wanting to see that for ages. But you yeah. have to tell me what I do now, practically. Well, it's like tangible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, what's the point otherwise? Yeah. You know, nothing changes if you don't have anything to to work with. So, yeah, emotional toolkits. I mean, it's so many different things. I mean, I, I tried in my book to to talk about things that people don't often talk about, or to reframe things. So, for example, comfort. So emotional comfort, emotional sort of safety, that feeling of. You know, being secure and emotionally safe is really important. And we talk about it for little children, you know, you know a blanket, you know, are they hungry? What do they, what do they need to comfort themselves? Why are they crying? What do they need? And I don't think we do that for ourselves as adults. We don't think about what we need. We just know we're stressed or we're across mm. or something. But to actually ask ourselves, what do we need? And a lot of the time, I think we need to feel safe and we need to feel, by that I mean, That someone's listening to us, that someone is not going to, you know, judge us, um, abandon us, you know, make a comment about us in terms of if we show them who we really are. So I think, you know, comforting yourself, kind of feeling emotionally safe is really important. I also put them in in the book about hope. So, um, again, people say to me, oh, Rod, you know, you're living in this dream world where, you know, you're hopeful about everything. And I'm like, well, I'm not always hopeful about everything at all. But for me, hope is just being open to the possibility of something getting better. It doesn't mean being positive. It doesn't mean being, you know, ridiculously out of touch with reality. It just means that you're open to the possibility that something might improve. Mm. And I think hope, we don't really talk about cultivating hope as a tool. We talk about it as a concept or, you know, maybe something in a speech someone says. But for me, I think you can find hope in... looking around yourself at people, people being kind to you, you know, looking at nature, all of these things have hope instilled in them, you know, lyrics in a song, for example. Um, And and also, I think the other thing in the toolkit, just to kind of pick out three, is very much around, you know, embracing every single emotion that comes up. Um, So one chapter in the book is kind of likens all of the sort of the the nasty, inverted commas, Mm. feelings that we don't want to have as kind of house guests that turn up to your house party. Mm. You know, you've invited all the lovely like all the lovely feelings like happiness and joy and you're like, oh brilliant, they're coming, but they don't turn up and you instead you get, you know, anger and despondency and despair and they're yeah. like bang on the door like, We want to come in. And and you know, if we if we kind of keep them out and we shut them out, things just get worse. Mm. The best thing to do is to let them in, see them, talk to them, kind of, you know, sit with them with support if you need that support. And to and to try and listen to what they're trying to tell you because again feelings feelings can come up but they don't necessarily tell us anything but very often feelings that come up will will be trying to sort of let you know something mm. either that you need like i said support you need to kind of have more time to yourself maybe you need to understand yourself a bit better maybe you need to stop being so hard on yourself maybe you need to express yourself like you said Sophie, before and have a good cry and be authentic that they're they're sometimes they're telling you something Um, especially recurrent feelings and I think that's also a helpful thing to to put in your toolbox Mm.
2: there's so much in there Mm. that I love it's so true and I guess with in terms of the last one you were speaking about expressing your emotions Mm. all of those feelings that you were describing you know anger fear despondency I guess they're all kind of like suffering emotions and and pain is Mm. like the umbrella for all of them I guess and if you're in pain or someone's in pain emotional pain or physical pain you would you know, tend to that and delve deeper and sort of try and find out the, the why, <laughs> why yes. you yeah. know, why are you <laughs> yeah. in pain? Yeah. And yeah, I absolutely love that because often we feel these emotions. We don't even take the time to work out what the underlying issue is and why we're feeling that we, whether it be sort of like jealousy or, you know, mm. so, uh, social media is so bad for sort of mm. triggering all these emotions, but you see something that triggers you on social media and you don't think, Oh, what is it within me? That's actually causing mm. that. Like, yeah. and It's usually a pain underneath all of these other layers out of the onion and yeah taking the time to really work through that is so important Mm. I also kind of get the impression that everything that you're speaking about uh, they're all kind of a bit of a muscle that you have to Mm. grow because in terms of for example listening to yourself and working out what you need and making yourself feel safe I think a lot of people haven't used that muscle for so long Mm. it's quite weak I'm definitely one of these people you know you need to keep consciously
0: making the effort to do that, I guess. Would yes. A hundred percent. And I think also we don't do society doesn't do us any favours because it frames all of the things that I've just been talking about as fluffy or things that don't really matter, or like I said, things that, you know, for nursery school children. Mm. Um and we and I what one of my real passions to do in life is to try and harden up those things to say, actually these are really important. They're just as important as all the other the, the other advice that you might give someone or just as important as, you know, medical advice, for example. These things are just as important mm. to that. And we need to start framing them as essentials, you know. How to cultivate hope? How to help yourself feel safe in life? These are basics. These are, mm-hmm. but, but and yet they're dressed up in a sort of fluffy way, or they're not spoken about, or they're kind of just said, "Oh yeah, you know that that's that's someone just going on about airy fairy stuff." And it's not. It's real, and it matters, and it helps people, yeah. and it supports people. And I think one of the other chapters in in the book is about anger, and I really wanted to do a chapter about anger because we never talk about it. We always push it away. Like we could, we talk about sadness. Mm. That's acceptable. We don't. We really talk about anger. It's seen as something that we shouldn't even sort of admit we feel. Um, but again, we don't. We do everyone a disservice by doing that. So, you know, anger expressed in a in a safe and healthy way is really important. And actually, I liken it on a sort of a piano scale, if you like. So, at one end of that scale, you've got sort of sadness or despair, which has very low energy to it. There's not much that's going to change out of that. Anger is a little sort of step up from that in that if you see something that makes you cross or angry or you want, you know, that's the energy behind anger is change. Mm. You want something to change. You want something to move. And so it's got a lot more momentum to that emotion than sadness. Mm. So within anger, although it's framed really badly, and again, I obviously say that with the remit of expressing it in a safe way, in a Mm. healthy way. But, you know, if you think about all the social change that's happened across the world, when things have got better in life and when wrongs have been called out, They've started with anger. They've started with someone saying, no, this is not right. And and that momentum then to change something. So, you know, feeling angry in your own life can actually be a really helpful push, if you like, to change something and to make something different. So I'm really keen on, like I said, I wanted to write the book and make it a bit different and make it about things that we don't really talk about, reframe things that I think society frames in negative ways Mm. and just to open up, ideas to something different about how to stay well how can we be well in life and manage life using things that we haven't really thought about using before
2: Mm, oh absolutely yeah in terms of anger as well i guess would you say anger and passion are kind of like two sides of the same coin yeah i I know definitely yeah i mean i guess there's different types of anger you might have, you know, that typical anger of like, no, you know, an anger about an injustice or something fires mm. you up, and like, no, I'm really passionate about this. I need to do something, and then, and then often there's sort of other emotions that are masking anger, mm. maybe, and it comes out and manifests in different ways and stuff like that. Yes. Um, I was going to say as well, have you found because often you know the things that you were talking about, like the self care stuff, really. Do you feel like people tend to see them as more of a feminine thing and so then you know women might make more of an effort than men to do that sort of stuff and perhaps it, you know in your in your medical
0: experience as well mm, I, d- I definitely think there's there's the, the conversation is more acceptable and sort of um allowed in versus comes more with mm. women than men in terms of you know having a break relaxing resting looking after yourself self care I think we're still really we're really bad at encouraging you know boys, men you know to, to actually feel like they're allowed to do that mm. and that they're allowed to say that and show that side of them and to and also to say that they need that. Mm-hmm. And it's just bizarre to me. It doesn't make any sense as to why that would be different. And yet we have dressed it up in that way for so long mm-hmm. that it's become ingrained. And, you know, like I say, we, we're we all kind of victims of conditioning. We all kind of grow up in this world and we, we absorb things, you know, either overtly or subconsciously. And we take them on board and then we become them. Mm-hmm. And it's only when then life gets really difficult or we have a crisis that we then think, oh, why on earth haven't I done this before? Yeah. And you know, often when you see other people, they'll—if you've seen someone, not seen someone for a long time, and they've completely changed their life, or they seem really different—often they've had a really big life event mm, yeah. and a really difficult time. And sometimes we do have to go through those things. We can't eradicate that at all, because that's what life is about. But I really wanted in this book to almost say, is there a way to sort of get there a bit earlier, with a bit less pain and a bit less mm. of mm. that of that sort of awful stuff happening to you? Can we can we kind of support each other to? work out how to do that a bit better and a bit earlier Mm,
2: it's so important and there's so much going on in the world at the moment as well where people are having these huge you know huge life changes and and, Mm. you know even stuff like breakups or the death of a loved one or you know losing a job and stuff like that Mm. they're like wake-up calls I mean you know or, or alarms and um yeah, it does make you think. You know, I'm sure we've all been through them, but it does make you think. God, I wish I'd come to those conclusions without
0: having to go through that. <laughs> I know, I know. And I mean, again, like sometimes we, you know, we need to go through things because you only go, you know, when you go through things, you really learn them, don't you? Mm. It's a bit like, you know, I, I mean, there's like a, there's like a, a sort of thing about teaching. You know, like some people need to see it, or some need to people need to do it, or some need to read it or whatever. And I think we do need to do, we do need to experience stuff to really learn the lesson but it's about kind of how how that long that learning goes on for how painful that is and actually um again it's not it's not you know whatever we do for ourselves it then spreads to other people around us so it's not just about us and one individual it's about i suppose you know, when anyone else makes a change in their life that's for the better, or, or, you, or you like the look of, you're like, oh, how mm. did you do that? What did you do? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. tell yeah. me about that because I'd like a bit of that too. So, so it is, it is a bit of a ripple, I think, and and I think that's what's so interesting that with one person making a few little changes or understanding something, a whole other swathe of of people can actually really benefit from that and that's what i love as well mm. yeah because self
2: development stuff or working on yourself taking the time or as we we're talking about boundaries it can mm. come across from an outsider's perspective as quite selfish mm. actually i've always been such a huge believer of you know put yourself first do the work on yourself because then you have more to offer others and you you know you have more energy for the people that you love more time you know mm. you're inspiring other people it's you're the
1: um it's the air mask oxygen mask Thing, yeah. In the, yeah. the plane, give it to yourself <clears throat> first before, and then you can help the other people. It's
0: yeah. That yeah. Exactly. It's like a ripple effect. Yeah. And yeah. But I, I think in relationships as well, like we often think we're doing someone a favor by staying in that dynamic, but actually, mm. if you look at what they're getting from that dynamic, it's mm. not healthy for them either. <laughs> Let's mm. say they're sort of they're yeah. being quite controlling. You're allowing them to control you. That's not great for you, but also it's not mm. great for them either. No. So, yeah. so you know, when you shift, you know, obviously a relationship is a dynamic, you know, that's locked in, and once one side shifts the other has to shift by definition yeah. because it's not propping it up anymore. So mm. that will cause changes in that person's life, which again, they'll have to unravel mm. and who knows where that might lead them. So it's really interesting. It's a bit like a domino effect. Um, yeah, amazing.
1: Well, Rod, well, it's been so lovely to talk to you. Thanks oh, so much. No. Can I ask one more question? No.
0: Okay. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Of course
1: you can. No, I was going to say, well, I was just going to say, because we talked about like tangible things we can take away, mm. is there mm. is there one or maybe two tangible daily practices we can make? I'm mm. going to say that. Do you know what? I'm going to say that again <laughs> Tan- because I said that's tangible. Tangible <laughs> Tang- Tang- <laughs> is wrong.
2: Hold okay. on. Can I just say the other day, Charles yeah. described himself as a like. Don't don't tell Radha what the actual word is. What do you think <laughs> he was saying? He described himself as an ortham.
0: An ortham. Well, I would say that's a combination of an author and. <laughs> Oh, maybe that's what you... An author and a... Maybe that's... You've created a new thing. What are your other roles? I was thinking broadcaster... No,
1: it was... um, I was talking to someone who'd lost one of their parents and they were saying that they'd become an orphan. Oh. and I, I I changed the N to an M and so awesome. became an So no so <laughs> Orpham
2: orth- orth- Oh Ortham. as Orpham O-R-P-H right? yeah
1: I mean,
2: A-U-T-H but actually that's, that's quite good so an author, who author yeah. an author
1: author with dead parents yeah
2: awesome but it was like and, and it was so funny <laughs> it was like
1: yeah fact, it was very funny for Sophie video. it wasn't so I, funny <laughs> for me
2: I honestly cried with laughter yeah. <laughs> I was like tears were coming down and then Jules was like I like how you're
0: laughing at the fact that I'm an orphan
1: or- an Oh I can't even say the word it's great you're what? laughing about the fact they have no parents anyway.
0: Sometimes there, sometimes we need to invent words because <laughs> there aren't enough words.
1: Exactly. I'm going to write it are. down now. <laughs> All of them.
0: All them. Right. What were you actually saying? I
1: was going to say, right. I've got one more question for you. Go on, John. Um because obviously we talked about tangible things we can do. Mm. Um are there one or two sort of daily practices we can be doing? Mm. Um you know that maybe would make more significant life changes.
0: So the one thing that really helps me, the one thing I I think is really, really useful is literally in each moment. So let's say you're having a really bad time, you're feeling really sad, you're feeling really low, to stop and say to yourself, ask yourself this question, say in this one moment, what choices do I have right now to help me feel a bit better? So that might be, or I can sit here and have a cry, it might be I go out for a walk, it might be I'll call someone, it might be, it might be whatever. What are the options you've got? Because we do have choice. Although things are difficult and although feelings overwhelm us, and that's absolutely fine, we still do have a choice around what we do. And I think this is where action is so important. So in that one moment, think about the options you have and what are they going to lead to? What are each of those gonna lead to? What repercussions are they gonna have? Are they gonna work? And then try to just make a better choice for yourself. And that sounds really simple. But in that moment, all we have and the power we have is to make a choice, a good choice or a better choice for ourselves. And once you start to do that and make that little bit of a choice in that moment, you'll do it again and again and again. And you'll start to realize that actually your actions and your ability to choose can help you. And that's where that trust comes in and that's where that sense of power, your own internal power comes in. And then it becomes a habit and then you start to think, actually, I can do this, I can manage this. So so if something else happens to me in life, I know what to do because I've practiced, I've done it. So I would say those moment-to-moment choices, build that trust in yourself and realize actually just how much power you have to help yourself feel a little bit better. It won't always work and you won't always be able to make that better choice and that's absolutely fine. But just to think about what you could do, um, and I think that's probably my key takeaway. That's what I do in my own life as
1: well. Well, I'm definitely going to be doing that.
2: Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, because we tend to, when we have a problem, we tend to just sort of crack on, gloss over everything, mm. not even not even stop. Um, so, yeah, just actually stopping and trying to, yeah, work out what are the ne- what's the
0: next mm. uh, What can I do right now that might yeah. make me feel a little bit better? Mm. Amazing. And mm.
2: by the book, um, where can people buy your book?
0: So it's on Amazon. It's uh, you can find it on my website as well. Um, the paperback is coming out in June, which is exciting. Amazing. Um so yeah, go and find it and I hope it helps. Perfect time.
1: Know
2: your own power.
0: And where can people find you as well
2: on all the socials and stuff?
0: Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at drada dr. modgill, Instagram at dr underscore, Radha, um, and my <laughs> website, which is drrada.co.uk. Amazing.
1: Oh, thank you, Rada. It's you, been thank really you lovely. So to much talk has you. been thank really, really lovely. Thank, thank you, both. you. Thank you.
2: Thank you for listening to Unquestionable. We'd love to hear from you on social media by searching for Unquestionable Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.